0: So you guys know, we've spent the entire summer figuring out uh, really everything you think you can do with a pool noodle. But wait, there's more. more! (laughs) Sorry. Every once in a while, I get accused of being one of those kind of salesmen, you know, and I just thought I'd try my hand at, but wait, there's more. For... (laughs) Some things I just shouldn't say. I learned that last week, right? (laughs) Some things I just shouldn't say. So there's a lot you can do with a pool noodle. And and if you're new today or you're online, you're new today and you think Brian's lost it, which I probably have, um, we're studying the Bible. We're in a series called Summer Hacks. We're talking about God's wisdom and how God's wisdom protects us, how God's wisdom protects prevents us from some of the destructions and detours and distractions that we create in our own lives. And so we've just been having fun with these pool noodles, trying to think about different, uh, different things you can do with them uh, that, are, that are summer hacks, if you will. And of course, the wisdom of God is the ultimate life hack, as we'll get to again today. But I just got to thinking about all the things we've talked about you can do with a pool noodle. Right. I mean, you can use it for storage. You can use it as a a bumper. You can use it as a squeegee on the floor. But there's so many things you can do. Like uh, you can take a a pool noodle and if you've got kids, you can put it along the edge of the bed rail. Right. I actually split my head open once. uh, Probably, I don't know, four or five years old. You know what? What four year old boy has a clean path to the bathroom in the middle of the night? Right, I did not. And so tripped on a toy, hit my head on the bed rail, if only we'd have had a pool noodle. Right, right, protect the bed rail. Right, boy bounces right off. Like there's just tons of things you can do uh with a pool noodle you can place it on the corner of a table as a child safety protector uh springs on the trampoline you know the trampoline springs you get your finger caught in that if you cut these to size just think about how you can protect the springs with you know you got a nice pink or green or orange all the way around your trampoline now that take a lot of pool noodles go all the way around the trampoline but you know what are there like 400 springs on one of those things and so you just chop these up and cut a slit in them, and right around the spring so you're trampoline, you're good to go. You step on that spring, you're okay. Right? It's just amazing what you can do. You can turn it into a sprinkler, you attach a water hose, poke hose in it, and holes in it, and whoosh, out comes the water, right? Or think about this one, fellas, just work with me. It's almost fall, right? And after almost fall, then there's fall summer, then there's smoke season, then there's, you know, we're, we're in this weird pattern now where where it it seems like smoke is, uh, let's say you need something to filter the smoke, if you will. (laughs) That's silly. But this will actually work. Let's say it's that first cold night of winter. It's going to be below freezing. You realize you've got pipes outside. Maybe you put in a new uh, sprinkler system of some kind. You've got pipes outside and you don't have any of that, you know, that black Poly whatever foam stuff you can buy to put on your pipes to ensure. Let's say you think to yourself, it's gonna freeze tonight, Home Depot's closed, I don't have any of that black foamy stuff to put on the pipe that I just put in with a sprinkler system, and I've gotta drain, and I don't have time to drain, and yada, 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 yada. But you know what you do have? You have some pink foamy stuff, <laughs> right? And there's not a, subs- there is a difference between that black foamy stuff and the pink foamy stuff, and if pink is not your gig, you can use some grain foamy stuff. I mean it all works. And what are you going to do with all your pool noodles? Because sadly, this is the last of our summer hacks. And by now, you've probably got 20 of these pool noodles sitting out in your garage. you're not quite sure what to do with. How are you going to store all your pool noodles? Five-gallon bucket. Five-gallon bucket. I'd like to introduce to you today our new series, the Five Buckets of Grace. Every week, we'll talk about what you can do with a five-gallon bucket. And not really, no, nah, not really. We, we, you just hold on to those for me. So we're in a series called Summer Hacks, God's Wisdom. Uh, today, we're going to talk about God's wisdom for my everyday life for managing. Everyday life because wouldn't you know it at the end of the day? I'm often tired. Are you tired at the end of the day, right? I I I get the end of the day and and I'm tired I just think about all the choices I had to make through the day All the different things that had to be juggled and managed and thought through and worked through through the day I mean, it's really it's honestly it's no wonder. We're so tired Because life throws a whole lot at you that you have to manage and managing everyday life Can be challenging but here's the amazing thing you don't have to do it alone you don't have to manage through life alone in fact Jesus came to be present in our lives now to be clear Jesus didn't just come to help me manage life Jesus come came to be my Savior but today I want to focus on another word we often use to refer to Jesus Jesus didn't just come to be my Savior he came to be my Lord Right, and as the classic saying says, he's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Jesus came to be my Lord, and Lord's not a word we use, right? I, I we, it, it's not a a normal American, but it used to be a word in English that was used a lot. I mean, think about the Christmas song, like how many Lords a leaping is it? Right, Lords were one of those, you know, levels of. In ancient Roman times, they would say, Caesar's Lord. And you would bow before Caesar. And one of the most beneficial aspects of having Jesus as my Lord is that it clarifies so much about our world. I was having lunch with somebody this week. We were talking about the fact that next year's an election year. And we're already into election season. And it seems like we have a four-year election cycle these days. So it's always election season. Right? And then the politics, always you always end up with a whole lot of this. And a whole lot of tribalism in American life. And a whole lot of people at their throats. At each other's throats. And, and I just got to thinking about it in the last few days. How much energy do we spend managing over well America's awful or America's amazing I'm not trying to solve that conversation how much you know every election season people come to me and they say I just don't know what to do anymore Brian I am so concerned about the state of America because if XYZ candidate gets to elected as president of the United States, we're toast. Apparently, we've been toast for decades, like my whole life, because quite honestly, the entirety of my ministry, and I've been in ministry for 30 plus years, people have said to me, if XYZ candidate gets elected, we're Toast. Now, are we burnt toast? Are we? What kind of toast are we exactly? Here's the thing I've really decided about a lot of that. Do I vote? Yes, I vote. Do I have politics? Yes. Quite frankly, most of you probably get my politics wrong. Because... Most of my friends on one side think I'm on the other, and most of my friends on the other think I'm on the other. And so I, it's like, well, what exactly is he? That's not the issue. It's really not. At the end of the day, the person with D after their name and the person with R after their name, neither of them is Lord. Lord. Let me say it another way. Yeah, I'm just way out in the weeds. This is probably not the only thing I'm going to say today that really bothers you. So I'm just being honest. We're just having a conversation, just friendly chat. Picture us at the coffee house or the lunch place. We're just talking. We're just regular people having a conversation. You turn on your favorite news station and... And the news is awful, 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 awful. And People say to me, I just can't handle it anymore. Guess what? You never were supposed to handle it all because Jesus is... He can handle it. I mean, if we're, if we're lightly toasted toast or burnt toast, He can handle it. He really can handle it. And there are a lot of things about which, if Jesus is my Lord, I can go. Now, does is, is Jesus being Lord mean I will never suffer? Not at all. Does Jesus being Lord mean that my preferred candidate will always win or any yada, yada, yada? No. No. If the biggest thing Jesus cares about is who wins in football or who wins in politics, we're toast. And I haven't even really gotten around yet to what we're really going to talk about today because the benefit, one of the, one, of the, one of the great benefits of Jesus being my Lord is not just that my soul is saved for eternity, but that He's got a trajectory for this world and it's all headed towards a remaking. But if Jesus is Lord, then I don't have to be. And that's good news does it make sense I hope so when it comes to managing life and we think about Jesus being Lord we could think about how he is Lord of our gifts or Lord of our time or Lord of our families all of these things would be true when Jesus is Lord we are challenged biblically when it comes to managing life then to be managers or to be stewards of life meaning he owns it all and we're managing what's his Now you're beginning to get a hint of where I'm headed. Again, we could talk about the stewardship of our gifts, or the stewardship of our time, or the stewardship of our families, or the stewardship of our people in church. But today I do want to talk about the stewardship of our resources. And of course, one of those is green, right? Right? I want to hone in today on the stewardship of what God provides, not just individually, but as a church. Because honestly, if we don't get stewardship right at this level, we won't get lordship right. And when I get lordship right, I get stewardship right. Today we're going to continue to look at the book of James, we're going to continue to look at the book of Proverbs, and we're going to seek God's wisdom for managing everyday life but would you know it a huge part of everyday life involves these little plastic cards we have and this green stuff that goes in our wallets and do you know how much worry and stress we put into those things so let me give you one word on the front end about this relax relax Every time I bring up money in church, somebody says, there he goes again. You know, pastors, they, you know, it used to be if you pr- if you pray and you give, you know, a certain amount of money, I'll send you my snot rag or I mean, what, I think that would be masks today, right? If We'll send you. you know. This is not what I can get from you. This is discipleship 101. It's what I want for you. Yes, this is about money, but it's about more than money. It's about stewardship. And as we talk about the stewardship of money today, giving is a piece of that, and I'm not going to ignore that, but, but it's only a piece. Most of this is beneficial about how to do money God's way in a way that honors Him, that helps you and recognizes that Jesus is Lord of all. One of the other reasons I often feel the need to talk about this is because one of the greatest conflicts of our lives ends up being about money. You talk to couple after couple who's going through divorce and money ends up being in that equation somewhere. I hope you realize when it's conflict about money, it's never conflict about money. (laughs) It's conflict about priorities. It's conflict about communication. It's conflict about values. Sometimes about the unwillingness to make hard decisions or wise decisions. James chapter 3, where we've been all summer, says it this way. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. That verse reminds me of another verse uh, that's in one of Paul's writings it goes like this first Timothy chapter 6 verse 17 says command those who are rich in this present world and this is the moment where you go oh listen to me I'm not rich <laughs> we can't go to Haiti right now but if you did go with me in previous years to Haiti you would realize this applies to every single one of us command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, and command those, command those. Command them to do good. Now this is the part that reminds me of James 3. To be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom jesus reflected this truth right put our hope in money put our hope in the lord jesus said matthew six twenty four, no one can serve two masters either he'll hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other but you cannot serve both god and money So here's what I want to convince you of today. And if you're taking notes, it's our first set of blanks. You can fill this in on your note sheet that everyday life is a choice. You could put the space here too, but in this sense, I really mean it as one word, everyday life, like your normal ongoing life. But the reality is every single day also is a choice between trusting in God and trusting in money. And the reality is, Whichever or whoever, whomever, I put my trust in will control my life. Whichever I put my trust in will control my life. If my trust is in money, and um, what would what you bet the odds are that, 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 that one of the biggest little g-gods of Americans is money? I mean, it seems pretty evident. And I wouldn't just see Americans. I would say most of the Western world, if not most of the world, is all driven around how how to get more of it. But the reality is, if I put my trust in money, money becomes the Lord of my life. And if I make money the Lord of my life, then money becomes the controller of my life. And you know what happens when money is the controller of my life? When it's not good, I get jesus makes a great god money makes an awful awful god jesus makes a great god because because he's worthy money makes an awful god because money will begin to control my life in ways that makes me ungodly, unrecognizable, in and, and ways that makes me awful. I mean, the reality is I can trust in Jesus and learn to manage this thing we call money or I'll trust in money and that money will begin to manage my life. So do you want to be managed by money or do you want to manage your money? That's really the choice. Again, God makes, Jesus makes a great, great God. Money makes a poor God because of what it does to my life. And this all leads to this fundamental principle of stewardship. When Jesus is my Lord and money is not, then any money I do have, guess whose it is? And this becomes one of those things we get really tense about. But think about my salvation. I was 15 years old. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I asked Him to forgive my sins. I asked Jesus to take over my life, to be my God, to be the Lord of my life. We can say it a lot of different ways. That happened for me when I was a teenager. Again, I was, I was 15. Did I understand all of it then? No. Do I understand all of it now? Probably not. But what I do understand is that I, I gave him my life that day. That means my life belongs to him. So take my salvation. Let's say I got down the road a bit. and I was 25 and in that stage of life where, where, where you know there's quite a bit I know. And let's say I begin to tell God, no, 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 my salvation is mine. I'm going to use it for my glory. Or take gifts, right? I have certain talents. I have certain personality. I was made a certain way by God when the Holy Spirit came into my life. He gave me certain spiritual gifts. And let's say I were to say to God, you know, these talents and these gifts, this personality, all the wiring you've put into my life. If I were to say to God, somewhere about age 35 or 45 or... Some of those other numbers we don't want to talk about. Let's say I were to say to God, you know what, I'm going to use these for myself. I'm going to use these for my glory. That seems pretty messed up, doesn't it? Do you you really agree with me on that? Doesn't that seem messed up? Especially as a Christian. right? understand why the world lives that way. But for us as Christians, a lot of times we want to say, but that's mine. My house, that's mine. My tacos, those are mine. I mean, I've told a story before when the kids were little and they would ask for M&Ms or Skittles, or we order French fries at McDonald's, give him a thing of french fries or a bag of skittles and I say can dad have one no there well that's interesting isn't it because who bought you those skittles so then we get into like jobs and income and that kind of stuff and we go I work hard for my money it's but what is it I'm making use of to earn that? I'm making use of everything God's given me. And so when Jesus is Lord of my life, it just makes sense that everything I own, my car, my backpack, my computer, my cell phone, my money, everything in my wallet, is not just... It's not mine. It's It's His because he's God and I'm not. And if it's his, then it makes sense that he's entrusted it to me just like my gifts. He's entrusted them to me and I'm to steward or manage them. So how do we steward money God's way? What does it look like? Before we get there, I wanna give you a couple of verses in Proverbs. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Trust in their riches will fall. Right? Like a tree that looks alive on the outside, but dead on the inside. Right? Just takes a little bit of wind, just a little bit of who knows what. We had a huge tree limb, this big around, come down on our house several years ago. I was outside working in the backyard. I heard a yeah, I knew exactly what it was. I ran the other direction, and this limb, about 30 feet long, comes this wide around, comes down on our garage, lands there, rips off our part of our gutter, comes down onto the ground. The, the ground shook like an earthquake. Thankfully, I was not under it. Those who trust in their riches will fall. I asked the... the uh, I don't think we had an arborist come we had the people who chopped down the tree come right and I didn't do it because it was a a neighbor's tree but you know you probably know this if it lands on your side it's your responsibility right my neighbor came and said you know what I'll take care of all those repairs until they talk to their uh, legal or insurance or whoever and then they came and said it turns out everything on your side your responsibility Right, but the tree people did come and they chopped down this big tree. I asked the guy I said hey, you know There was like no wind that day. There was no rain that day It just like why today? Why did it fall today? And he said that's the thing with big old trees like this They look good on the inside But what's going on on the well, they look good on the outside But what's going on on the inside is an entirely different story He said, why today? He said who knows? but it's been dead on the inside for a long time. Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Contrast that with Proverbs 3.5. We preached on this a few weeks ago. Trust in the Lord. In the what? In the who? In the Lord with all your heart and lean lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways... Verse 6 says, submit to him, follow him, and he'll make your path straight. To trust is to trust in, it's to rely on, it's to be confident in, it's to be secured by. When I trust in money, I am saying to money that I am trusting in you to bring security and happiness and fulfillment. I'm trusting in you to take care of my life and my family. I'm trusting in you for my sense of identity and esteem and self-worth. And the reason it's such a temptation to trust in money for these things is because our culture is constantly telling us to. But it's an empty trust. It's a false trust. Because I read Proverbs and the wisdom of God says, don't trust in your riches. And there's that word again, riches. And we go, but I'm not rich. The funny thing about rich is that it's a moving target. If you gave me like 20 bucks when I was a kid, I thought I was right. Because how many, how many, how many little, not sticks of bubble gum, but the little, you know, the little pink one in the wrappers, right? The, that, the traditional bubble gum with those little bright colored wrappers, right? They used to be like three cents or five cents. I mean, inflation today it's probably like a buck fifty for a piece of bubble gum. I don't know. I don't buy that kind of gum anymore. I just know that it's super, super stealthily tempting to put your trust in money. When I was a kid, again, 20, rich, maybe four, five, six years old, 20 bucks was enough to be rich. Today, if you ask me how much it'd take to be rich... It'd be a different number. But if I asked you, it'd be a different number. It's different for all of us. And the reality is, are your needs met? Are more than your needs met? Historically speaking, comparatively speaking, we have more than generations before us. If you think about it, there's really only about five, maybe six things you can really do with money. You can worship it, and I've already talked about that. We shouldn't do that, right? You can worship it. There's a bunch of things we could, but primarily, in some basic sense, there are five basic things you can do with money. You can earn it. You can spend it. You can save it, right? You can share it or give it. You can borrow it. You can loan it, but there's only so many things you can, I mean, theoretically, you can win it, you know, like Powerball. Any of you won the Powerball lately? I'd like to have a conversation about that. The <laughs> you can inherit it. I mean, there's it. A, there's a, so I want to go over those basic things and I want to talk about how we manage our money and God's wisdom for how we do it, okay? Is that fair? Number one, we can earn it, but if we're going to earn it, the Bible tells us to earn it honestly. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 9. says, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? Thank you, Bible. When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like thief and scarcity like an armed man. Proverbs 14, 23, all hard work brings profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. The reality is, if I'm going to, Earn money it's gonna take some hard work and hard work is no guarantee of success but laziness is a guarantee of having nothing God knew we'd need to be reminded of this over and over and over and so the book of Proverbs has quite a bit to say about the need to work hard to put in effort and the kind of effort that would honor the lord it's not just lazy that we have laziness that we have to be on our guard against though there's this constant desire in us to have more for less effort and so we're always looking for shortcuts right the magic bullet the silver bullet the winning winning lottery ticket right the small investment that pays off big the the get rich quick scheme i i get thing after thing on my phone on social media that's this a guy's going to tell me that on one hand he's a multimillionaire and he's for, for $35 he will tell me the secrets of how to be a multimillionaire and i'm and and i keep thinking to myself why do you need my $35 if you're a multimillionaire he's like i'm not in it for me i'm in it for you but for 35 but wait there's more we're always looking for the shortcut. Proverbs 12:11 those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. This is repeated almost word for word in Proverbs 28:19. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. Right? I mean, there's a kind of laziness that's just sleeping in bed all day, but there's another form of laziness that's just not wanting to have to put in the effort. And then there's the excuse game we're all pretty good at, Proverbs 26, 13. A sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. I'd kind of like to see it, honestly. I mean, I've seen a couple of videos of it on YouTube, but... I mean, there might be a fierce squirrel out in the streets, right? Gets out in the middle, not sure which way to go, but. And the Bible's really clear that we're supposed to do all of this working hard, not being lazy, not making excuses, not chasing fantasies, that we're supposed to do all of it with honesty. The Bible tells us don't cheat. Proverbs 11.1, the Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. Proverbs 16.8, better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. Proverbs 16.11, honest scales and balances belong to the Lord. All the weights in the bag are of his making. What's the deal with all the scales? Well, they didn't have money, right? So if you're using silver or gold or some kind of like weighted thing, to buy then the weight determined the value. So if you could adjust the scale in your favor a lot of it happens a lot today, doesn't it? If you could if you could if you could put your thumb on the scale in your favor and cheat the system the western side of us would say why not. But the godly side of us that says, this isn't mine, it's the Lord's, would say. This isn't just a reflection on me, it's a reflection on Him. And so, if I'm a business owner, I need to have honest scales. If I'm a person doing business, I need to have honest weights and honest value. Proverbs 20, 17, food gained by fraud tastes sweet, but one ends up with a mouthful of gravel. I take sort of comfort in that verse because of all the fraudsters that are out there. So i need to earn it but i need to earn it honestly does this make sense this is god's wisdom about work number two i need to share it or give it but when i give it i need to do it generously again this is not about what i want from you it is what i want for you. How we relate to our money is about the condition of our heart. And when we're giving it generously, it says something about our relationship with the Lord and our view of the Lord. So Proverbs 3 9, right? Just a few verses after 3, 5, and 6 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. The reality is, whether I look through the book of Proverbs or the book of Genesis or some of the prophets or into what Jesus said or on to what Paul wrote in the New Testament or many of the rest of the writings of the New Testament, there's a theme traced through all of the Bible that says that when you're willing to live with your faith, finances open-handed before God and be a person who's generous with those you reflect the heart of God that your hand is open to God's provision just like it is to share with others and the heart of God is not just for you and so there is very real in us this sense that we can show our worship by whether we're open handed or closed-fisted when it comes to finances Proverbs eleven twenty four. one person gives freely, yet gains even more. The contrast is another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. You would say, well, neither of these things make sense, right? The more you would hold on to it, you'd think the more you'd have. But you've certainly had the experience where you were in get, get, get mode, and yet it just seemed to disappear. And you've also had the experience, I bet, if you've learned to trust the Lord, where you thought, I don't know how we're going to do this. And the Lord just provides. And you go, I can't even explain it. The reality is, you can't outgive God. But I only get to find that out if I live with an open hand. You can't outgive God. And then there's our responsibility to the poor. Right, And I'm not going to read all these to you, but Proverbs 14.21, it's a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. The word despise here means to treat someone with contempt, to toss them off as worthless and inconsequential, to ignore them. You could easily argue that in a sense, this is the opposite of love your neighbor. Whoever Proverbs 14, 31, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. And the Proverbs goes on and on and on about the value of being generous with the poor. And so we manage and steward what God has provided here at Harvest Community Church as you give, as you tithe. And one of the things we do with what you give is help the poor. not just those among us but those beyond our walls we've already said a lot of things this morning can we just be can we just be honest right if you look on the back of the sheet with the announcements right we've always said we're going to be honest about where things are we're always going to show you right if it's good you're going to know it if it's bad you're going to know it we're the summer pattern in every church I know reflects what this reflects, which is that in the summer months the giving is down, the budget stays the same, and typically the expenses are up. So I'll tell you, we're at a point in the year where things are challenging. Do we have? Do we have uh, Mark? Do we have money in the bank? The answer is yes, but have we been blowing through it very rapidly this summer? The answer is also yes and the reality is we're gonna give to the kingdom and when I live with a generous spirit and when I write a check and I put it in that offering box on the wall or, or or when I go online and I give through the website or open the church app and I I give through that I'm being a part of the kingdom of God that I'm extending the kingdom of God so far this year we've given over $200,000 towards kingdom causes Hundred and sixty six thousand or so towards our annual mission and ministry budget at the end of July, thirty seven hundred in benevolence, over sixty six hundred dollars in other missions endeavors beyond the budget itself, which has a lot of missions and endeavors included. I look back at the last four years. Over the last four years, we've given, together as a church family, nearly a nearly million dollars towards budgeted kingdom missions and ministries. And beyond that million dollars, over 56,000 additional dollars towards local, international, and missions endeavors for the poor. Uh, things that would share the gospel across the street with Monroe Middle School, around the world, partner with missionaries. And it's not to count things like mission trips that we've done previous, that we haven't, it's been tougher to do through COVID, those kinds of things. The thing I would really point out to you is that that this responsibility is the Lord's because He is Lord of all. But He doesn't do it without us. There's this, this famous old preacher story that told his church, he said, I've got good news and I've got bad news. He said, the bad news is we're, behind on the budget, the bad news is we're behind on our expenses, and to be straight with you, I will tell you, just looking at the year, harvest is about $20,000 upside down, 22, dollars dollars something like that, upside down at this point in the year, which again, fairly normal because of summers, because of normal patterns. So this preacher said, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The bad news is we're upside down financially. The good news is we have all the money we need. God has provided all the money we need. And the church was cheering and cheering and cheering. And he said, but I got a little more bad news. The bad news is it's still in your bank accounts. So I'm not preaching this to say, oh, poor us, we're upside down, things are bad. I just want you to, I've always said, we're going to be honest about where it is. I'm just telling you, that's where it's at. The funny thing about inflation is that, have you noticed this? You go to the grocery store, everything costs more. That applies to churches too, so expenses are always up. But because it hits our pocketbooks so hard at home, in nonprofits, giving tends to be, yeah. And so it's a squeeze that makes things particularly difficult in the nonprofit world. Because we don't just come around and go, you know what we're going to do? We're going to raise the tithe. The tithe is now 11%. But if you give all of it up front for the year, we'll give you a 10% discount. It's back to 100%. You know, there is no sense in which we get to go, we'll just raise prices. You want prayer? Okay, we'll pray for you. That's going to cost a dollar more. You know, this is not give to get kind of thing. I would easily argue that the nonprofit world and the world of the kingdom particularly does not revolve around money. It revolves around the blood of Jesus Christ and what's given freely for us and to us. But there is a reality in which we're in this together. So I wanted you to know where it all stood. We can earn it. If we're going to earn it, we should earn it honestly. If we're going to give it, we should give it generously. I'm going to fly through these next few, but I want to make sure that we understand them. If you're going to spend it three, then spend it wisely. Right? Proverbs 21.20, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. right? Like a big gulp. From 7-Eleven, the fool says, I've got $1,000 in my bank account today. I'm going to gulp it down. And then next month, I can't pay for food because I gulped it down over here. Does that that make sense? So we've got to learn to spend it wisely. While we're talking about spending it wisely, can I just mention, I pointed out the church finances to us here. But if you look right above that, this fall, we're starting a financial management class. Right. It's all about what we're talking about today. It's about how to learn how to manage money God's way It's largely about the things we're talking about here but what it will do is it will give you real-life tools to be able to say with real-life leaders who will come alongside you and encourage you to say how do we learn to manage money wisely I mean if I could put it in like four or five words I would tell you much of this whether we're talking about earning it or giving it or saving it or whatever it is if I'll just learn to live on less this stuff works you just have to learn to live on less our world makes that really difficult if I live on less than I make, then I have money to save. If I live on less than I make, then I have money to give. But our world does the opposite. Our, money says, our world says, you, you, you make this much, live on this much. Proverbs twenty seven twenty three. be sure to know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. And that verse goes on. But I would just point out to you, you don't have flocks. I don't have flocks. But I have things entrusted to me by the Lord that I need to know the condition of. And I need to know the season we're in. And I need to manage it in a way that learns to honor the Lord. Number four, save it consistently. Right, spend it wisely. Number four, save it consistently. Right, this is that that old school 80 10 10 principle. Right, if I live on 80% and I save 10% and I give 10%, then I'm in a pretty good place long term. Today, they might say it's the 70 15 15 principle that really what you need is to live on 70% save 15 percent and wouldn't you know for inflationary purposes that leaves another 15 percent to be able to be generous with i just know that the wisdom of proverbs says this proverbs 6 verse 6 go to the ant you sluggard consider its ways and be wise verse 7 chapter 6 of proverbs it has no commander no overseer no ruler yet it stores its provisions in summer it gathers its food at harvest proverbs 10:5 he who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son we can keep going proverbs 13:11 dishonest money dwindles away but look at look at this verse this is great whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow this isn't chasing fantasies. This is building the sense that in the season I'm in, I'm going to save a little here, I'm going to save a little there. In a lot of ways, we could argue that this is teaching us the way to think about the future. Right? It's not just saving for tomorrow. It's saving for days long, 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 long after tomorrow. And wouldn't you know it, if you were to Google statistics on this stuff, we're in awful shape as Americans. Right. I mean, you'll find averages that tell you that the average American has, you know, however many hundred thousand dollars in their 401k or something of that nature. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You'll find these averages out there. But what they don't tell you about the average is that one one really, really high number ends up raising the number of a whole lot of really, really low numbers and you know I maybe you remember this from math class but there's a better number to look at it's it's the median right the median is the middle where 50 percent 50 percent fall to either side and if you look at the median numbers on saving for retirement and saving for the future we're in awful awful shape
1: you're like tell me about it it's inflation
0: because the world is toast This is where Jesus being Lord of all makes a lot of sense because, because I can say no matter the season we're in that I can save it little by little by little. One more you can do with it. We do this a whole lot. It gets us in trouble a lot. we got to learn to borrow it cautiously. Borrow it cautiously. right? Debt is so easy to get into and so difficult to get out of. Proverbs 13:7, this is one of my favorite verses on this, says, one person pretends to be rich. This is like those verses about chasing fantasies. One person pretends to be rich yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor and yet has great wealth. It's never been easier in the history of the world to pretend something. Because all you need is that little plastic card. I was in college. These little plastic card companies were sending them to me right and left. But wouldn't you know that, that they had this thing built into them called interest? And if you have no idea how interest works, I, I read an article, I have it in here somewhere. I don't really, something like 40%, maybe 50% of Americans don't know what interests they're paying on their credit cards. And by the way, you've heard all this about interest rates going up. They've gone up on credit cards, too. I mean, the average credit card interest rate is approaching or well beyond 20% now. Right? It turns out that little by little makes it grow in savings. Well, the banks know that, too. So little by little, they get a little extra from you. And compounding interest works to their favor when it comes to debt. Again, averages versus medians, but you can look up the statistics Right? The the average balance on a credit card went down during the pandemic. Right? But that, that's largely because of all the money that came in the mail. It's now back above where it was pre-pandemic. In fact, Americans just went over collectively a trillion dollars in credit card debt. The reality is it's never been easier to get into debt, but with interest rates on credit cards, what they are, it's impossibly hard to get out of it. I read this this week, more than two in five Americans say they have withheld or lied about their financial information to their significant other, meaning that they're not talking about credit card debt. One of the things I do when we do premarital counseling is is we say it's all got to be on the table, right? If if two are becoming one, then you've got to know it all, right? The student loan debt, the credit card debt, the the assets, the liabilities, the the, the whole thing. You've got to be able to be honest about where it all lands. The Bible would say that if I'm living God's way, then I'm not pretending a lifestyle, right? And this just comes down to hard decisions, right? The decision to buy at the grocery store, which isn't cheap, mind you, versus eating out. But I mean, I I, I go out to eat sometimes, right? It, It used to be McDonald's, Taco Bell, that kind of thing was like five bucks you'd have lunch. Now it's 10 bucks you'd have lunch. Mid scale restaurants used to be 10 bucks you'd have lunch. Now they're 15 to 20 you'd have lunch. Full sit down restaurants, now 20 plus. Yeah. That's not to go to a fancy place. So if I do that three, four, or five nights a week, not only is it not good here, yeah. it's not good anywhere. Right? They... Let me come back to where we started. If Jesus is Lord of all, and you look at this and you say, I don't know how in the world, like I'm upside down. I haven't saved little by little. I've overspent lot by lot. I don't know how to get out of any of this. It's just one day at a time walking with Jesus. And that's frankly why we're doing this class. We want to we help you with that, which you can express interest in on that communication card, by the way. Nobody likes it when the preacher talks about money at church. But the reality is God has wisdom for how we manage what's his. I need more of that wisdom, you? I need a lot more than some buckets with some noodles, right? I need the very wisdom of God. And that's what I want to pray for you as we end today. We always end our services with two prayers. The first is a prayer of salvation. It has nothing to do with money, but I would tell you there was a cost involved in that salvation. And as the old song says, Jesus paid it all. And so all to him I owe. Jesus paid it all. He paid the debt. He paid a debt I owed that I cannot afford to repay. This isn't financial. This is sin and salvation. And so if you need Jesus today, maybe looking at that cross, you'd say, Jesus, I need you. And if that's you, would you pray with me right here, right now? Become a Christian today? I mean, why not? Say, dear Jesus, I've done so much wrong. I can't possibly make it right. So Jesus, take over my life forgive my sin and be Lord of my life and take the stress off me and take my life in our world and put it on you give me your wisdom to manage life your way Jesus I put my faith in you I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Be my God. In every way it matters. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If that's you, I'd love to celebrate that. But I only get to celebrate it if I know about it. And so I would encourage you to let somebody know. Let me know. Let somebody near you know. Write it on a communication card. Fill out a digital communication card. You can email me. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurcheugene.com. Let us know, because we'd love to help. That said, a lot of us have a little heaviness in our spirit right now. Because living money this way is hard. Honoring Jesus financially is its possible. But it's a learned skill. And if you need more of the wisdom of God in your life to help you manage it His way, that you need more of Jesus in your life so He can be Lord and you don't have to be, pray this prayer of application with me. In fact, stand together as we pray. Dear Jesus, thank You that is Lord Life is about you and not about me. It's a pressure I know I cannot handle. So thank you, Jesus. Be my provider. Be my wisdom. Be my peace. Help me to manage all of my life in a way that honors you in jesus name amen amen let me give you the good news he is with you to do that very thing every day through every moment that said, i just remind you as you go today to go in the grace of God. It never runs out. It's always good. His credit card's never going to run short. By the way, he doesn't use a credit card. He's paid it all. I'd love to remind you of those communication cards. We've got baskets for that. Our offering box is on the wall. I'm not going to make a big deal out of that because I've already talked about that today. But I simply want you to know, knowing that when Jesus is Lord, that changes everything. Let's go and live like it. Love you guys.